For the duration of my career, I have been condemning full-time daycare and championing a parent at home as being in the best interest of children, families, and ultimately society. Many critics, probably defensive about their own so-called lifestyle choices, have written to or about me, imagining a gotcha moment. Well, how do you explain your hypocrisy, Dr. Laura? The letters or articles generally start when you're a working mother. How can you criticize? You do a radio show, you write, you go on book tours and lecture circuits and TV appearances. How can you possibly be an at-home mother with your schedule? You lie. You are a hypocrite. Here's the entire scoop. When I was re-singled after a brief marriage and divorce in my mid-twenties and teaching at the University of Southern California, I took graduate courses in the sociology department's Human Resources Center toward a postdoctoral certification in marriage and family therapy and a license as a marriage and family therapist. One of my friends, a married female graduate student, came to me and told me that she was pregnant. I replied, oh, I'm sorry, assuming, of course, that she had my feminist brainwashed perspective that becoming a mother was the original cop-out. She was quite taken aback, but responded patiently. No, I'm happy I'm pregnant. I want to be a mother. This is a wonderful thing. I was embarrassed that I had had such a negative, knee-jerk reaction and spent a lot of time thinking about my feelings and thoughts concerning marriage and children. Still, I was geared for accomplishment and success and wanted nothing and no one to impede my professional progress, certainly not a husband or a child. Not only did the rise of feminism during my tenure in college have a negative effect on my thinking about marriage and family, the constant complaining of my mother when I was growing up discouraged any positive considerations I might have had about such experiences. My mother, an Italian immigrant from northern Italy, is a brilliant and talented woman who, for whatever inner lack of confidence or commitment, did not follow through on any of her unique creative talents and abilities. She could paint, was clever about the stock market, and was able to budget, plan, shop, and create a beautiful home with the very modest financial resources provided by my hard-working father. I remember my father always being very supportive about her taking art classes, for example, which she would eventually quit with some complaint I now recognize as specious about the teacher or the lessons. She was free during the day or evenings after dinner to pursue whatever interests and abilities she had, yet she frequently admonished me about how marriage, and especially children, inhibit a woman's happiness and enterprise. Nonetheless, when I was 35, something took me over. In spite of my woman of independent means attitude, I was watching Nova on PBS. This particular hour was about conception, development, and childbirth. The incredible new technology could actually record on film the process of ovulation, the journey of the sperm from the vagina to the fallopian tube for fertilization, implantation of the embryonic mass in the uterine wall, the subsequent development of the fetus, and the birth of the baby. Nine months were telescoped into 60 minutes. I found myself sobbing, realizing that for all my bluster and accomplishments, something vitally important to me as a woman and human being was missing from my life, motherhood. All my successes simply moved the goalpost back farther, and happiness continued to elude me. Then suddenly this notion of being a mommy seemed transcendent and more important than any accomplishments. Three years later, 
after I had my feminist-inspired tubal ligation reversed and married Lou Bishop, Derek was born. Nonetheless, even through the pregnancy, I didn't really quite get it. In spite of wearing maternity clothes the very first week of my pregnancy, I didn't yet understand what this experience ultimately means to a woman and a person. I remember Lou and I watching yet another PBS program. This one was about lifeboat ethics. Twenty-five people are on a boat fit for 15. The question, do you throw 10 overboard so the 15 can survive, or do you keep everyone aboard, hoping for a miracle, but threatening the lives of all? After seeing the program, I asked Lou what he would do if, after having a baby, all three of us were bobbing around the ocean and he could save only one of us. Who would it be, the baby or me? Lou, not being dumb, refused to answer the question. I said, well, I'd save you, because we are the primary relationship and we could always make a new baby. See, I didn't yet get it. 